Do you need to poop now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we like to watch movies we loved in our youth and see if they're actually still any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. That's Maddie. <laughs> and I'm Ash. Wow. Hi, Kitty. We have a, a new Kitty on our podcast this <laughs> our week. Our guest today. So we are going to watch Blade Runner. And I want to say... Some people might say Blade Runner from 1982, but we're going to watch Blade Runner from 2007. Which um, is wrecked. uncommonly known as Knife Walker. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. I, I would pay to see Rutger Hauer in Knife Walker. Knife Walker? <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. He just walks with a knife. I'll um, cut you, but I'm not running. <laughs> I'll get there. Yeah. Don't run with the knife. Yeah, didn't Harrison Ford's parents tell him not to run with blades? So the reason I say 2007 is because Ash and I on the drive up here were getting into the whole conversation of the different versions of this movie. And Brett and Sam, I don't know if you're up to date on all the different versions of this movie. Um, I I know there's some controversy. Yeah. Because what was released was manipulated by yeah. the distributor. <laughs> manipulated? I believe, uh, dictated? I don't understand. It wasn't what the director wanted. Correct. Yeah. 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 I had to do a little research on the drive up. So apparently the director, Ridley Scott, um, and Harrison Ford added some scenes in to explain some things. They felt like it, it needed some scenes, but then the investors didn't like it and test audi audience testing too. Yeah. Isn't that what you found? So the investors insisted on adding a voiceover that's basically exposition. It's just like exposition voiceover of Harrison Ford. And, uh, and it, apparently this is instead of the scene or this is well, over the scene? I think I'm you're sure. a little out of order. I think it was test audiences said, we're not completely following this. Okay. And Ridley and Harrison Ford thought, okay, this could use with some more, a few scenes to explain some stuff. But the financiers said, we're going to do a voiceover mm, and, and mm -hmm. you don't get a choice. Right. Mm. Um, so that, I think the voiceover and the ending of the film are the, the major points of contention. Because um, they wanted a different ending. They wanted a happy ending. So apparently there's a happy ending in the theatrical release. I know release. nothing about this. Yeah, I've never actually watched this entire movie. Oh, oh wow. Oh, we'll get to that conversation. <laughs> well, then. Um, so yeah, there was the original theatrical version. There were lots of different versions over time, but the core versions are... The original theatrical from 1982, then a director's cut, which is kind of badly named because the studio convinced Ridley Scott to give his permission, but he was not involved in the director's cut. So it wasn't quite what he wanted. Hmm. So what we're going to watch is called The Final Cut, which was from 2007 when Ridley Scott finally was able to get his hands in there and make the edits that he wanted to make. But they uh, they changed Final Cut to 64-bit and it didn't have all the features. <laughs> and everyone switched to Adobe. Yeah. Now, yeah, they switched so over to... now there's to a Premiere Cut. Yeah. Blade Runner Premiere Cut. <laughs> An yeah. Avid Cut. Yeah. Editor joke. <laughs> Can you tell more video editors? 
So that's what we're watching. The final cut from 2007. And, and I think, Ash, you're the one with very strong opinions about this. I guess so. Maybe yeah. I, I didn't, I was not aware, but yeah, I'm, um, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I, I like this movie a lot. Um, I mean, it's not like the, my, in my opinion, the best movie in the world, but, um, it's up there with good movies in my opinion. Um, but I had only ever seen the version without the horrible VO and I went to try to show it to Bryce and we, unknowns to me, we started watching the version with the awful VO, which mm. I just think ruins it mm. horribly. So I, I like, just to be clear, internet, angry internet people who will write me and tell me I'm wrong, but I like the version without the VO personally. And it's been my experience that people who do care about this movie really care about the thing you're talking about, mm -hmm. whether they agree with you or not. Everybody has a really strong opinion. Yeah. Cause it just kind of, I mean, it is, I don't think it spoils anything to let you know that it, it's kind of in the style of a noir detective film. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like, I get that that's also kind of part of that style to have like a voiceover, but it's just, feels unnecessary and feels like we talked about this in the car that feels like basil exposition you know yeah. um but i'm not sure that i've ever seen the happy ending i've only ever seen one ending so the version that you watched with the voiceover should have had the happy ending if i'm understanding what i read yeah the version i saw um had the same ending that i've always seen so i'm not sure but as we looked up on Wikipedia, apparently there's eight different versions of this film, so who yeah. fucking knows what I saw? That's yeah. a lot of different versions. There's this thing yeah. called the work print, which was an illegitimate, almost fan-made version of what they thought Ridley wanted, and that popped up in a few theaters, and yeah, there's just weird, messy evolution of this movie. Mm -hmm. That's like a Lucasian number of edits, like... Lucasian? I just made that up. It's like <laughs> Star Wars. Oh, George Lucas. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I th I think the thing that I really like about this film, though, the most is I like that, um, like all of Ridley Scott's movies, like Alien, it feels very real. So it's the set design and the costuming that I really love mm. in this movie because it's it's a future world that's not bright and shiny and clean because let's be real. That's not realistic. Like the future world is going to have these dumpy, you know, like not everyone has the money for the fancy new shiny technology. So some mm -hmm. people are going to be using outdated technology. Some people are going to be hacking stuff together. And now counterpoint mm -hmm. every now and then in the future, the sun will come up. <laughs> So, Are you saying there's no sun in this movie? So I, I'm just going to jump out here and say this. I don't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this will this will be an interesting podcast. Yeah. I, I am so on. I know a scene where there's sun. Okay. So Good. Just to say. But it doesn't feel like that in my memory. Like yeah. I get bleak and dark and gritty and real. But man, like give me a minute to breathe. So you I've know? never seen this movie and that's totally my expectation is like it all happens at night or like very little sunlight mm -hmm. it's all dark and gritty and Har harrison ford's uh dark city but again sure. film noir i mean yeah that's sort of what you should be expecting with sure. film noir i think film noir f 
happens mostly at night, but it's black and white typically. So mm-hmm. even the day scenes feel darker. Yeah. So, oh, there's definitely this isn't, sun. This is in color, in right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, okay, so Brett, Sam, have you done seen the movie? Sam, no. No, I know nothing about it. I know it's Harrison Ford. I know the poster is kind of famous because it was the guy that also did the Star Wars posters, I believe. Oh, really? Interesting. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. It was painted and cool. And Yeah, that sounds like a thing that I also might have heard. But that's, of course, that's the the advertising art side of it that we would know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's kind of in that that time period genre of posters. Yeah, mm-hmm. now that you mentioned that. The the things that I know about this movie are very limited. Uh, I remember when I was young that uh, at a family gathering, someone decided to put this movie on, and I like walked away immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does kind of suck the air out of the room. Yeah, damn, your family watched some heavy weird, shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember, like, keep the kids entertained. Put a snuff film on. <laughs> a lot of a lot of angst and a lot of smoke on screen. I feel like I'm gonna watch this and be like, man, there's a lot of smoke everywhere. Hmm. Um, but that also might be part of the noir feel. I um, think there's like, to Nick's credit, I think there's like haze in the sky. Like, imagine L.A. and like. 50 years and it's just gotten so bad that it blocks out a lot of sunlight. This is Los Angeles in the distant, distant year of 2019. Mm -hmm. So there is smog. Yeah. 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 2019 is when this film. Oh my God. I I believe so. That is two years from now. There's a word that I know that I I think is associated strongly with this film, I think, which is replicants. Is that yes. this one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey. Hey. So, I mean, depending on how this whole North Korea thing shakes out, it very easily could be LA in 2019. Oh. Wow. Because <laughs> um, of nuclear war? We're the target. Yeah. We're the biggest city on the coast. Well, the city's not destroyed. It's not a post-apocalyptic okay, okay. movie. Okay. Yeah. It's a, a, a post-pollution movie. Okay. Now, I feel like all the things that this movie is trying to do and people love about this movie that I feel did resonate and worked for me are in The Fifth Element. I think that's fair. That's what I want this movie to be. And man, I love Fifth Element. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch Fifth Element again. After seeing this one, I mean, right, let's I, watch it right after. Again, I'm not saying that it's the best film in the world, you know, but uh, but what's funny, the best film in the world is by... Alien, yeah. also directed <laughs> by Ridley Scott, which is weird that you wouldn't like this film. I, I think that actually is a testament to how good a director he is because he has uh, range. Yeah, I don't want a director who makes the same movie over and over again. Yeah, and he makes very different, very good movies. I believe this is a great movie that I dislike. Mm-hmm. You know, I say that before watching it today. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. So, of course, we've got Mr. Harrison Ford, who we've recently seen in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, this was quite a few years before this, but it was pretty close to Raiders of the Lost Ark. This was 1982. Does anybody remember when Raiders is? Like 83 mm. or 4 or something. 
I don't remember. I could look that up. We've also seen Rucker Hauer recently when we watched Lady Hawk. Oh, yeah. Mm. From 1985. So I believe Blade Runner is Rucker Hauer's first American movie. Um, so this was before Lady Hawk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Three years before, which makes Rutger Hauer a really interesting choice for this character because he feels like a very foreign dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to say too much more. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably talk more about that. Um, it's funny we were talking about Ace Ventura because Sean Young, I most remember from Ace Ventura. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember. yeah. Sorry. Remember the police chief in Ace Ventura who turned out to be a man? That was Sean Young, who's also in this movie. I like legit don't remember anything about Ace Ventura, apparently. I don't know oh. if I've ever seen now, Ace Ventura. For what it's worth, we've talked about doing <laughs> Ace Ventura for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it is not to be had on streaming services. Aww. What? So that's why we haven't done it. I know I've I seen one of them. Because there's more than one, right? There's two. I've seen one. And then I think there's like a straight to video son of Ace Ventura. What's Mm. the one at the end? There's like some lady who's been deflowered by him or something. (laughs) (laughs) That was the second one. Okay. I've only seen the second one then. Is that the pet detective one? I think so. Well, pet detective is the first one, the main. Oh, Oh. never mind. And then the second one, he like goes international with it. Okay. I really like the meme, though. He has the arrows in his knee. <laughs> that was the second one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh. I just love that. And then people put the thing from Skyrim, like, I was an adventurer like you until I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> wow. All my Skyrim fans out there. <laughs> Where my Skyrim's at? Uh, so we've also got Daryl Hannah and Edward James Olmos. Really? Really? Edward James almost? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't remember them in this movie. Yeah. It'll all come back to you. And so I guess the the reason we thought it would be fun to watch this is because there's a new movie coming out on October 6th, Blade Runner 2049. Um, anybody excited about that? I am. Yeah. I think it looks pretty cool from the trailers. They make it look pretty... S- it's a it's a direct sequel. I believe so. Yes, Harrison Ford is in it. Yeah. Okay. But Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Gosling. Or Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, It'll be enough. a different movie. <laughs> but we've got a Ryan thing boiling with the Chris Pine, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris yeah. Hemsworth scenario. But uh, Ryan Gosling, who I think I think if you were to pick anybody else to like pick up with that sequel. You know, he yeah. he's going to do an amazing job. I'm on record as loving Ryan Gosling and if I had to cast most Harrison Ford roles today, I think Ryan Gosling is a good choice. Yeah. Hey girl. <laughs> um but Denny Villeneuve is directing this new version and he directed um Arrival. Which oh. I love Arrival. Okay. Yeah, that was a good one. I still haven't seen it. It's really good. And I guess Sicario was really good, but I never saw it. Oh, I never saw that either, but I heard it was good too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see the next movie from Denny. But I don't know. Like and and contrary to what I typically do, I've watched the trailer for the new Blade Runner. Oh, you did watch it? Yeah. And it seems like it could be very good if it's not 
so depressing, you know? Mm. I mean, they seem to be sticking with the original style as far as, like, visuals. It does still look very dark. Yeah. But it looks cool. I'm, I'd be down to see it. It also looks like an opportunity for, I think, John Batista is his name. The guy who is tracks the destroyer. Oh, the wrestler. Yeah, he's in he's, it. He's in it, and it seems like like he's trying to do like a real serious acting career, not just being an action star. And it looks like this could be a really good role for him. Oh, cool! For that, that's cool. I like I like him. He seems promising. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, I thought you were talking about Drogo from Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who also, you know, Who, he fits that bill. He was their first choice for Drax oh, of the Destroyer. Oh. Yeah. But he wanted to hold out for, like, Aquaman now he's doing something? Aquaman. I think he just wanted to do more of a lead. And mm. I guess that worked out for him with Aquaman. Does it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, like the I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, is that whole movie going to be underwater? Because uh, if literally. not. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And figuratively. Yeah. Are, are you guys excited, Brett and Sam? The new for the new one. I mean, maybe that's not something you'll have an opinion on until after this movie. I saw yeah. the trailer for it, uh, and I mean, it looks all right. It looks ju- it looks kind of like what I what my imagination of this first one is, uh, which is it feels kind of like um, like it might be required sci-fi viewing. And yet I've gotten along good r- phrase. really well without seeing this. So I wonder, yeah. like, what are the things that I'm going to see in this movie where I'm just like, that's where that came from. A lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, I think it is. Isn't the enhanced thing from this movie? I don't remember that. But since you mentioned it, the article that I read about the different versions, uh-huh. they had that thrown in as a joke. Mm. I think it's from this movie. Okay. This is the movie that started the enhanced Okay. Thing that you see made fun of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just watching a new sci-fi movie on Netflix called What Happened to Monday. And it's just like the moment came up and they're like, wait, look at this footage. And I'm like, enhance. And then they're like, enhance. And I'm like, fucking Ooh. every time now. <laughs> I wish I could remember where it was. It was some show I saw and the guy was like, can you increase the resolution on that picture? And the guy at the no. computer said, it doesn't work like that. Yay! <laughs> and I threw up my arms and cheered. Um, and actually, I feel like I should mention there's a a great article on Nerdist, Blade Runner 35th Anniversary, Which Cut Should You Watch by Rose Knight. And that's where I got all this information. So it's definitely worth checking out if you're struggling with the different versions. And she had a joke about Enhance in that article. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty positive. That came from this. But I like that phrase. This is required viewing. It's mm-hmm. expected that you have seen this movie. Yeah, I'm actually a little surprised that I haven't. So this will I think this closes a gap on I, I can't think of any other major franchises that I haven't at least seen part of. So okay. I will say that I do remember it being difficult to follow. I feel like it's a little difficult. I did want to say that because Part of what I didn't like about this movie is it's very slow and kind of boring. And I wonder if uh, voiceover might pep it up a little bit. <laughs> no, you know? no. So I, I can see where that sentiment came from, whether that's the best mm-hmm. solution or not. You know, I feel like that where that would have come from. 
Sam, did you say, are you excited about the new movie or um, excited about this movie? Or I'm excited to watch this movie. I feel like I don't really know what to expect. Like everything I've learned to expect, I learned right now from you oh, guys. Good. So I don't really have an opinion on the I new learned, one. I learned from you. In this instance, yes. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. I'll see. I'll tell you after I watch this one. Hey, that sounds like a good structure for a podcast. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so the final cut is available on Google Play. Um, Blade Runner in general is on iTunes, but I don't remember which version it is, but I couldn't find it on Netflix. Um, so if you want to watch the movie along with us, we're going to pause recording and we're going to check out Blade Runner, the final cut, not the director's cut. The final cut, which Not came the after the director's cut. cut. Yeah. <laughs> the final cut from 2007. And uh, when we're done, we'll jump back on and see how we feel. Brazil. <laughs> we just watched Blade Runner, I guess. <laughs> Blade Runner. Stop running with those blades. <laughs> walk. I told you a thousand times to walk. Harrison. And, and point the pointy end away from you. You don't want to trip and fall and stab yourself. What are you, some kind of blade runner? <laughs> this is Ridley Scott as a child, actually. <laughs> Why, yes. I have an idea. So, yeah. I think that was pretty much what I remembered. I think... We have to address one of the elephants in the room. Number one. This is a room full of elephants. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, I have to apologize to you, Brett, because there was a lot of smoke in there. There was a lot of fucking smoke. So much smoke. You were very right. But I think the other elephant in the room is one that Sam pointed out during the movie. And I think that's part of the reason you don't like this film. Nick. Nick thinks that robots don't have feelings. And so, therefore, of course, this thinks? movie's boring to you. What do you mean, thinks? Obviously, robots don't have feelings. It is. Maybe right Opinion, now. because these are not real robots. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh they clearly God. have feelings in this film and this portrayal of robots. And in the realm of possible things, it is certainly possible that robots could have feelings. So yeah, I don't agree. <laughs> <sighs> so is this movie kind of a lot like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? In that everything that happened in the movie would have happened anyway. Anyway, if Harrison Ford wasn't involved, well, no, yeah, he he killed a few of these robots. Yeah, but, but they were going to die. Like no, they set a really short timeline for how right. long these guys could be getting away from him. And also. It it appears that the robot's goal was either figure out how to live longer or kill Tyrell. And they succeeded in killing Tyrell. So yeah. I, I don't, don't understand. Harrison really accomplished anything. anything in the movie. Robot sex. Robot sex. Definitely yep. robot sex. And that's an accomplishment. Forced <laughs> robot sex. Uh, yeah. Robot yeah, yeah, that was rape. dark. A little creepy. That was a little creepy. It was a lot creepy. Yeah. Like, okay. If this is a creature with thoughts, feelings, emotions, and personal yeah. identity, Stop then home. he raped her. Yes. 
Wait, but Nick, Nick, can, if it's can a, you rape a robot, Nick? But if can, it's a robot without thoughts, feelings, and, and emotions, it's just <laughs> then you're okay with this? A, a creepy activity. Yeah, no, he's a dick. He tried to turn that no into a yes and rape the crap out of her. And then that stupid saxophone had to come in and be like, audience, it's okay. It's supposed to be sexy. I mean, if like, no, if if she is a real person with thoughts and everything, that's rape. Yeah. The other side of that is just like you had sex with your refrigerator. (laughs) You can if you want, but like why? And like. He was you know, covering all the bases, though, because he basically like, illegal held or... her up against the wall and it was just like, consent. And she's like, OK, I consent. <laughs> Which yeah. is still rape. Yep. <laughs> Unless it's an appliance. <laughs> she's not an appliance. She's scared to die. Do you think my refrigerator's sitting there and like, oh, God, when's think, my day going to come? I think it's an appliance running a program simulating what it would look like if it was afraid to die. They they actually went out of their. I'm going to take Nick's side on this one. God damn it! Uh, they went out of their way to make that point in the movie earlier on when they were doing their robot test, and he's like, "You had to ask her like a hundred questions. She's a pretty good robot, isn't she?" Oh, yeah, it's running a good simulation. But he said the reason why they have to do that test in the first place is because they started to develop their own emotional reactions to things that weren't programmed. No, I think he said that she was a specific test that he was doing where he was trying to get them to have their own emotional responses. Yeah, but the reason why the other robots were given away by it is because their programming went wonky and they started having emotional reactions. Mm. And if you want to explore these ideas in a good movie, check out Ex Machina. (laughs) Actually, I was thinking... um, I was thinking how... Interestingly similar, this movie was to Westworld. Okay. Westworld yeah. deals with all these same, yeah. you know, yeah. same issues. And, and in fact, there was one point where I almost expected her to say, you know, like she I says. I don't see anything. It, the it moment when, anything to me. Well, the moment when like he calls her and she's on the phone with him and he's like, come down to this bar. And she's like, that's not my scene. She looked and sounded so much like Dolores to mm. me. You know, like she, it it just was interesting. I, I feel like there's so many similarities and I'd argue that Westworld's doing a better job yeah. at telling that story. But then, okay, I had those same thoughts and I definitely enjoyed Westworld more, but I tried to look at this film with the lens of this is one of the first times this story has been told. This is something I wanted to really talk about. Yeah. I, I feel like. There, there's, this is huge. The first time we've ever – oh, and a robot that could have thoughts and emotions. Like they have to take their time and explain this profound concept Yeah, where I get this concept fast forward. Yeah. Like mm. I think that might be my biggest problem with this movie. Yeah, like, OK, get it. Move along. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like I mean I'm, I can't think of another film that had robots that looked just like humans that came out before this. And I can. The best movie ever made, Alien. Oh, yeah. Robot? Oh, that was a a pretty milkman moment. That's right. And it had. Remember, I spoiled it for you. It had a pacing that you could enjoy. That's true. But it wasn't making this point that this movie was trying to make. Not at all. True. Completely different thing. And I think, I mean, I guess you could make the argument 
that it's an issue that you already know, so therefore you're familiar with it. But I just think it's the style of film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a slow-paced film, and it's, it's intentional. So, I and was... if you're not into that, then I totally get it. I'm not saying it's not slow. It's definitely slow. But I think that that's, there's a whole you know, style of filmmaking. That- so I don't know if it's held in high regard or not, but I think the, sl- the reason this felt slow was less of the visual and more of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's yeah. very atmospheric, right? Yeah. Like this film feels like it's just all about appreciating the atmosphere and the music mm. and the lighting are just atmospheric it's very droning is the, the music. Mm-hmm. like every scene had just like a but yeah. even the dialogue and the action you know it was it, i felt like you know this idea of inception in the dream world time moves at a different pace i felt like we yeah. slipped into that there's a part where rutger hauer says i'm gonna wait a few seconds and then come after you and then it's like it's probably about two minutes so are you <laughs> a few seconds running at a different speed and Ruckerhauer's whole speech at the end, he's like, he says, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. But he actually says, I've seen things. <laughs> it's like, why is he delivering this dialogue so slow? They made an intentional effort to slow everything down. Well, that's what I'm saying is it's a style of filmmaking. Yeah, and I hate it. Well, that's <laughs> fine. You can hate it. I think it's hardest. We were in we were in Rome and at, at checking out I the ruins. Went in Rome and uh, they they did an art show in the ruins, and it was like a bunch of art pieces. And they had the one American art piece was this giant stuffed bear taking a shit <laughs> in the middle of these wonderful ruins. <laughs> And America. And yeah, that's it's a style, but fuck that. Yeah. yeah. I, I literally looked at it and said, why do Americans have to ruin everything? Yeah. Good question. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's that bad. I don't no, know. no, it's, that it's, movie wasn't that bad, but it's just like, I, I get next point. I think it's a hard film to follow. And I, and I feel like this is like, I've seen this film multiple times. This is one of the the best understandings I think I have of the film yet, you know, because the other times I was just struggling to follow Mm -hmm. it. But if you follow the film, I think, you know, it's slow on purpose because you're supposed to be on the edge of your seat with tension in every scene. And so they're really milking that tension. And I don't, I'm not saying that it necessarily is working the best, but a film that comes to mind that I think, does it really well is there will be blood oh is there yeah. are scenes in that movie where yeah. nothing happens but you're on the edge of your seat yeah. you know and it's very very slow so i think that's what they yeah. were going for well i think but, also in this movie you're supposed to be taking time to digest some really deep concepts yes yeah, yeah. that, that you know already... like sam and i were talking about like we like we get it mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah where oh. there will be blood was a movie about characters yeah and, that's, and i wanted to enjoy those characters that's something i wanted to bring up like i didn't feel like the characters were really fleshed out and really developed mm-hmm. like i i can't describe the character of the main robot chick i don't even remember her name Rachel. hair chick rachel sure hair chick. <laughs> 
church. Like she didn't have any defining personality. I mm-hmm. mean, she was no different from the other robots in that she just she didn't want to die. That was the main thing. And like Harrison Ford is a man who is tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when when I've I finally put my finger on it cuz Harrison Ford has a very specific way of acting being exhausted and and under stress. And his performance is my contacts are drying out. <laughs> That's Harrison Ford's performance. My contact lenses are dry. In every and, movie or ugh, just this one? Ugh, every time you see Harrison Ford, when he's so under stress and he's just like kind of falling apart, his contact lenses are drying out. <laughs> yeah. Now, Harrison Ford. Is Harrison Ford the bad guy of this movie? Yeah. Because I never really no. quite like picked up on that before. But if you believe that the robots have thought <laughs> feelings and autonomy, then yeah, he's a bad guy. Okay, but let's put a pin in that over here. Okay. Yeah. But it, it like I never quite realized that before that it's really hard to sympathize with his character because mm-hmm. the whole time I'm just he sympathizing was, with these robots. He was coerced into doing it. He didn't want to do the thing. Right. The reluctant yeah. hero. I actually, I, I feel like I missed an important line of dialogue. I didn't quite catch what the alternative was. Like the, it was, there was a threat, but I don't know what the threat was. I think the threat what, was. You're, you're, you're going to investigate them or else. You'll be arrested. Well, yeah. What was what was the yeah. threat there? He, you'll be arrested and thrown in jail. He said something about like tiny people. He said you're one of the ordinary people or tiny people, like meaning you're not a cop anymore. So therefore, we could arrest you if you don't do this. If you don't Maybe it's like Los Angeles in the year 2019 when the police are not being controlled and they step on <laughs> private citizens <laughs> and shoot innocent people. Crazy science fiction <laughs> concepts. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. okay, sure, but like, if the police approached me about like, hey, we want you to just go and hunt and kill people or not people, whatever the fuck, uh, and put your life at risk, or like, we're gonna kind of be dicks to you, like, I'd probably just bail on L.A. Um, <laughs> but he didn't really have that opportunity, seen as they were right there, and like every time he shot a robot, that. Dude showed up and was like, Cut "Yeah, shot. like they knew where he was all the time. Yeah. What's going on?" Well, they're all detectives, so that's their job. Edward James Olmos, yeah, it was just like, "Good job, you shot another one." And it's like, you, <laughs> "Here's you re- my paper mache." Here, <laughs> like, you were standing origami. here the whole time. Like, why didn't you help? <laughs> I was busy doing origami. Here you go. <laughs> this fucking robot like was choking me against a gas truck, and you were just standing there. We were talking about before we started recording really briefly that there's the moment in the film where Harrison Ford and you use the word dream dreams of a unicorn or has. By the way, these are final cut scenes, not in the theatrical version. But okay, because I didn't remember the unicorn, but I did know of the origami unicorn. But. You use the word dream, but he's fully awake and his eyes are open in that scene. I thought he'd passed out on the piano, had the dream and woke up. Uh, That's what I maybe, but it cut. I distinctly remember it cutting back and forth between him awake and the unicorn. Unless that's him remembering the dream. But so that's that's how I took it. Here's my question is what whether it's a dream, a vision, whatever. He has this vision of this unicorn. First off, what the fuck? Second off. But the real question to me is, 
how does Edward James almost know that he had a dream about a unicorn? Yeah. And how does that mean that he makes the, you, you know, he makes the origami unicorn at the end. And which leads me to think is if he knew that Harrison had this vision of a unicorn, does that mean Harrison's a replicant? So I hate this movie, (laughs) but I'm surprised to know that I know of a big conversation and debate that is happening around this movie that you, a fan of the movie, are not aware of. Like, this is a thing. And it's fun watching you and Sam come to that conclusion where I've heard people debate this. The idea is in this cut of the movie, we are to believe that Harrison Ford is a replicant. Yeah, because she does ask him, have you ever taken the test, too? And she says, oh, no, Mm -hmm. this was in the stupid happy ending, but she says... I believe we're made for each other, made for each other. Um, But yeah, the idea that Edward James almost knows that Harrison Ford has a unicorn thing, even though they never had the conversation. (laughs) I mean, and he made a little unicorn. It's plausible that Tyrell would have made a Blade Runner to kill his Nexus six that got out of control. Like that's totally. But Tyrell didn't really hire him though. Uh, and maybe hard, indirectly. It's, yeah, it's maybe. hard to follow. Like, there's a lot of exposition. Well, they did kind of set it up as like this whole, even the his whole co- coercion thing was like, yeah, nobody else can do this. You know, mm-hmm. like th- the things you're hunting are f- physically and mentally superior, and they will just fucking kill. Everything we send at it, except you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Harrison Ford got his ass handed to him every step of the way. And did not yeah. die. Because he is a robot. Sean Young saved him once. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Rutger Hauer saved him the other time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how do, how do we know he was really going to get like killed or whatever? Either, you know? Because he fell off the side of a building? He was, yeah. like, he was like losing the fight, but like... I don't know if he's a robot. Would he have died? Like we didn't like, Oh, had he hit the ground? Would he have survived? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if unclear. you can kill them with gunshots. I feel like they could die from. Okay. Falling off but, the building. So the guns they had in this movie are fucking ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> the, okay. the opening scene where he, he shoots the guy with a handgun and blasts him through a wall. Yeah. Like that's the handguns aren't that strong. Future handguns. Yeah. These are 2019 handguns. <laughs> <laughs> Two more years, Brett. Two more years. You know, like, I, I think science fiction hinges on its rules. Just rules are fantastic. I love the rules. But you've got to set up your rules. And to a certain extent, your handgun thing. But also, do robots bleed like people? Because he mowed down that. I mean, that in f- Westworld, they do. Yeah. But, but I'm not talking about Westworld rules. I'm talking about in this movie, set up your rules. Because when he shot that one on the street and she fell down, Sam, you said, oh, so it's not a robot? Yeah. And I'm honestly – I don't know. Like am I to believe that the robots bleed like real people or the fact that she's bleeding? Does that tell me that he just killed a real person? Yeah. Which was a thing they set up. Have you ever killed a person by accident? That's totally what I thought. And then he was Please establish your rules. Well, to the credit of the film, they did actually in the beginning it was a line of dialogue or or it was in the it might have been in the text in the beginning it said they're similar to humans in every way Mm -hmm. so they they are flesh and blood and i want to talk about that text in a minute (laughs) 
Yeah. I so, kinda, I mean, they kind of did it, explain that. I, I kind of like this alternate theory of that, you know, maybe this company is just really good at doing their research. And, like, you know, all, all you need to do is know about someone's memory and then you can fucking kill them, you know? Like that, because that's all of the proof that they had, really, that they were replicants. Uh, you know, other than that, the company was like, "Oh yeah, those those four, those are replicants. Kill them!" Like, well, they were slaves on the pl- the replicant planet. Yeah, they were like, slaves on a planet full of what the company said were replicants. Mm. You know, it's like maybe they were just people. I think that's kind of far-fetched though it seems i don't know enslaving people seems easier than creating new people robots (laughs) (laughs) well and and having a theme park full of people pretending to be western is a lot easier than making fuckable killable robots too yeah so (laughs) what we're saying is westworld doesn't make a lot of sense no it doesn't (laughs) but somehow makes more sense than this movie I want to talk a little bit about that opening text, and I'm going to read something from the opening text. Replicants were used off-world as slave labor in the hazardous exploration and colonization of other planets. After a bloody mutiny by a Nexus 6 combat team in an off-world colony, replicants were declared illegal. You have just described a very interesting movie. (laughs) Why can't I see that? That's interesting. I think there's a... It sounds like Red Rising, this sci-fi book that Bryce has been reading. Yeah, it's. I guess it's a little different, but yeah. Well, that, because that's not a noir detective film that Ridley Scott wanted to tell in the future. I guess. I mean, there's just like, there's... imagine this really interesting scenario. After that <laughs> movie, well, there's more potential for conflict in that story. Like there was no. Like interesting conflict, no curveballs, no anything. Like we just kind of watched it happen. I I disagree. I think the conflict in this movie is the conflict of Harrison Ford's character going through falling in love with a replicant. Hmm. Like but that I, to me is the real conflict in the film. Okay. Well then what was their relationship? How would you describe their relationship together? Cause I didn't, I mean, aside from the rape scene, I didn't feel any emotional connection between them. I, I I'm it's cause she doesn't have emotions. <laughs> well, I think she's, I, I felt an emotional connection between them personally um, but I can see how you would feel that way. Cause I don't think it's super strong. Like I don't feel an emotional connection to the characters myself, yeah. which I think is a huge flaw in the movie. But I, I did get that they are two people who are struggling with two independent things. She's struggling with well, one person. <laughs> <laughs> She's struggling with coming to the realization that she is this robot that, you know, isn't real and her whole reality is shattered and he's struggling with, with falling in love with this robot that he knows isn't real and, you know, dealing with that. And there, I seem to remember more about his wife in the cut that I saw, but we we, only saw it. We watched the happy ending after we finished the film. I was like, he had a wife. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the version I saw had more about his wife, which I think set up that internal struggle better because he, you know, there's the scene 
where she's sitting at the piano and he's like laying down and I think they're both sort of like having this conflict and she like lets her hair down and there's like an internal conflict going on there and that's why it kind of explodes into this fight because I, I don't really personally see it I as a rape scene because I see it as them having this conflict within each other that they're trying to deal with in that scene hmm. in that moment that i didn't get that at all from that scene and i and don't that blame you it- at all <laughs> like i really i didn't get that i've seen this like i said i've seen this movie multiple times and this is the first viewing where i was like oh i understand so much yeah. more of it i feel like the editing did a huge disadvantage to getting that point across like several times in that scene watching it i felt like there were jump cuts and like things that weren't consistent and like it didn't feel like as a scene it flowed and i felt very confused mm-hmm. i don't like blame it just you. cuts and he's asleep and like in a different room than where he was before and, and like, well his, he walks into the room his conflict was is interesting that you that you see that more than i did mm-hmm. uh because it kind of felt like it, you know they had their first meeting at the corporation and he did the stupid test on her and the next time they meet she like just sneaks in into the elevator and he's just like hey come on in gonna make you a drink and like what you know it never well, seemed he's like not. he slams the door in her face and he tries to get her to leave instantly he says she, oh, i thought that was just because she, she was like a weird stalker in the elevator and also one of the things he's supposed to kill or i guess not supposed he to kill you know but he, that, she's though. illegal he didn't know that he had to kill her yet, though. No, but he knew she was but, like an illegal replicant. Well, I don't think he knew that she was Taking illegal because she's written. She's like a product of Tyrell, who's oh, the company. I thought all the replicants on the planet were illegal. I, I found myself wondering that too. Yeah, like, I mean, I think that's a good question. If it's a replicant, does that mean it must die, or is she okay because she was made by the company and she's legitimate? Yeah, yeah. I, there's I, some I gray was, area. Either the movie didn't tell me, or I was snoozing. But he he immediately tries to get her to go away, which I see as, you know, when he first meets her, he starts to have an attraction and then he finds out she's a robot. And so he's like trying to distance himself from her immediately and slams the door in her face. And then he kind of takes pity on her and opens the door when she says Tyrell wouldn't see her and lets her in. And but he's still distancing himself from her you know, throughout their conversation and, but still warming up to her. Like I see this internal struggle where he's like, which is kind of goes to what you've said before, Nick, where you worry about robots that are so lifelike that people forget that they're robots. And it feels like Harrison Ford's struggling with this, like it's a robot, but she's so lifelike, you know, in that moment where He's like mean to her and then he apologizes and he's like, I'm sorry. Once he sees her have an emotional reaction. Simulator emotional reaction. Yes. (laughs) But I'm just saying, you know, that's that's the struggle I see. The conflict I see in the film is so he has. I feel I actually feel like there's a different conflict that as bored as I am through most of the movie that I really do like this desperation of I just do not want to die. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and you don't recognize me as a real living person, and I really desperately don't want to die. Yeah, this amazing speech where Rucker Hauer is, I've seen these things, these battles over planets and ships on fire, and I'm just gonna die, and that memory goes away, and nobody mm-hmm. gets that ever again. Like that, 
that hits you. Like, yeah. It, there are things to be enjoyed about this movie, and I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I was saying, like, I sympathize more, I think, with the robots than I do Harrison Ford's character because totally. Edgar... <laughs> Rutger Hauer. <laughs> Rutger Hauer. He just like, you know, it's yes, he's killing people, but like, yeah, but like, you know, he has that moment where he starts to break down to Pris because their two other friends have died. You know, the two other robots, and and then he has that moment with Pris when she's dead because he's clearly in love with her, and it's just like it's hard to sim because it's like if these people abused you and used you as slaves, and it said that. Pris was the model that they would just let the like real people soldiers just fuck you know like it's hard to be like against these these robots killing the people who treat them so poorly and that's what we feel coming out of the westworld. first year of westworld mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i think westworld's doing it better <laughs> yeah i mean a few things that westworld i think has done better that this film would have benefited from is a better score. Like the score I think is a lot of what sells Westworld. Which I think in my reading this morning, that was a huge battle point between Ridley Scott and the studio. This is the music that Ridley wanted you to hear. I'm sorry. And the studio had some different music and various other cuts. I love this music. I'm just going to put it out there. I love the music. I love the lighting. I love the use of, of light and color in this film. And like I said, it's very atmospheric. I love ambient music, though. Like, I'm a huge ambient fan. So to me, I I think it's perfectly fitting and sets the tone for the film. It does, but like... I, I don't know. You have to strike a balance. Like with the slow pace, I think you need more dramatic music to help carry those scenes, which is something that Westworld does. I think more dramatic music would have made the slow edit seem even more slow. Okay. Well, so I, see I had the, the example I can think of where the entire suspense of the whole movie kind of hinged on the score they put in it because it wasn't a very good movie otherwise mm-hmm. was uh shutter island oh mm. i didn't see that and they took it too far uh yeah. <laughs> uh the score was good. jump scare the soundtrack yeah it was ridiculous soundtrack but it was like a whole movie of basically just nothing mm. but there was a lot of suspense because they kept using music cues that were like something's gonna happen and then you know whatever or there will be blood was is again another great example Mm -hmm. of the score having suspense yeah and what's funny is i agree with you philosophically because i've talked about slow burn sci-fi 2001 the first star trek movie andromeda strain see i'm glad you brought up 2001 because in my opinion 2001 is an excruciatingly slow film and so that's how i feel about this i know and they're both kind of doing the same thing slow burn sci-fi atmospheric Mm -hmm. the pace is set with the music why do i like 2001 and not this now i will admit to struggling not to fall asleep during both (laughs) somehow the first star trek movie doesn't quite lose me, but it's still got that slow burn. I'm going to try and put a, put a word on it, uh, uh, or I guess a phrase, real instruments. Oh. Uh, I think the synthesizer okay, maybe. creates uh, kind of a, a mood that, that real orchestration uh, enhances, you know? Mm. Like it's, it's, it feels better when there's a more 
human element to it and in a lot of cases is that maybe musical preference then because in my opinion i like the synthesizer better i mean it it it's it's a like a it's the drone music you know but uh, i like that that's the thing is like that like i literally listen to drone synthesized music so it's for me i like it and as opposed to 2001 had um, kind of a orchestrated drone. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think Brett's point is that the real instruments have a broader appeal. Like of the five of us or four mm-hmm. of us in the room, like three of us prefer orchestration to one who prefers synthesizer. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say I'm. Yeah, I don't know prefer- if it's like okay. a hard preference, but I- yeah, I mean, like it would. We felt that that would have enhanced. I might. I think it might have. Yeah. For yeah. This one. I mean, I think it just it makes it feel more real. And like this is a very stylized music or stylized film with stylized music, which mm-hmm. I think further dins- distanced me from the believability of it and engrossing myself in it. I would throw in a different suggestion, which is when you have something that is so slowly paced, then the subject of the movie, if, if it is an interesting subject, you're going to hang on. If it's not inherently an interesting subject – then the pacing of the movie is not going to help you hang on. Mm-hmm. I'm much more interested in the visuals and the science of 2001 gotcha. than I am with the introspection of whether robots are real people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so I hang on to 2001. I hang on to Star Trek. I can't hang on to this because slow pacing plus a boring topic – I'm See, out. That's that's interesting because for yeah. me, I feel similarly, but it's the opposite is the visuals of 2001 aren't anything new to me because I've seen so many space movies. But the right. visuals of Blade Runner are so unique to Blade Runner. And it's a world that they've built that I've only ever seen in Blade Runner. But I think that means you agree with my reasoning for why some people yeah. prefer 2001, some people prefer Blade Runner. Yeah, totally. You're the person who thinks this story is more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's, to me, the thing that I love about the film is the visuals like i said and the lighting there's just like amazing lighting like they're just standing in his mayan temple apartment's (laughs) kitchen and there's just like ads in the window that are blinking and streams of light from like i'm guessing spaceships going by that come in and great create these awesome beams and it's just all very like atmospheric and it's it's the type of movie that I think would be awesome to just have on like in a bar. Like if you yeah. had an atmospheric sci-fi bar in the background, but you know. Maybe Luke Besson is just ripping this off. But I mean Fifth Element has these sorts of visuals and it's fun. But I feel like the focus is more on the characters than on the environment. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. would say Blade Runner. Like the opening scene is this – super long establishing shot of mm-hmm. this city. Yeah. And like fifth element, I don't remember how it starts, but everything it's I remember the from that movie. dig and the aliens show up. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's a it's faster about, pace. Yeah. And it's all about like these characters and because lot, fifth element is a comedy. Yeah. Comedy yeah. sci-fi. It's but, a lot easier to describe the characters of the fifth element than this movie, but totally. a lot, but a lot easier to describe the world of this movie than the world of the fifth. Element. I think True. Sam hit the nail on the head where she said like Ridley's attention to detail went into 
you know, the, the set design and, and the, the visuals, yeah. but like, you know, just going back to what you said, Nick, fifth element is a comedy and it's lit a lot more brightly. Like a yeah, comedy, absolutely. Yeah. this is lit far more cinematic. Yeah. And that's what I really like about this film that it's just like, there's, you know, you could almost pause any shot and the lighting is just incredible. Like there's a shot where he naked man, naked robot man is like running past these boarded up windows and the light stream. Like it's just, yeah, there were a lot of really great shots. Yeah. And that's why I say this is a great movie that I don't like. And Mm -hmm. I think the best movies are, are brave and take risks and, and aspire to do something that will be unappealing to certain parts of the audience. Yeah. And that's what makes them great. Yeah. I, I, visually though, like I like the lighting, but it feels muddy to me, like yeah. comparing it to what I remember from 2001, it's very crisp and clean and clear. A lot of times, both due to the dialogue and the visuals, I felt confused. Mm-hmm. Like it was hard for me to follow what I was supposed to focus on on screen um, but that is the style. It's yeah, a style it's that true. Ash likes that you and I not so much. Yeah, yeah, that's very much the style of filmmaking. And that's, um, as I said in the beginning, before we even saw the film, that's what I like about the film is that it's not the super shiny, clean, crisp future world that you see so many times over and over again. Yeah. I like that it's different. Yeah. I like that it's that, 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 you know, noodle bar that he sits down in the middle of a busy alleyway like feels so real to me it that feels more real to me than the super shiny everything's white and shiny and futuristic like you know i I don't think that that's a realistic you know i think that places like that will exist in the future but i think more than 50 percent of the planet won't be able to afford those super shiny Mm -hmm. you know and will look like these alleyways with weird characters and stuff like that i don't know Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll probably be somewhere in the middle because mm-hmm. I can also never imagine a world where all walls are, are white. full of machinery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like nobody would put up with that. Like, like Harrison's apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Mayan so temple awful. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so in the opening crawl, they're setting up the world and they say there's a special police force that hunts them down. They're called Blade Runners. And we as the audience say – Okay. What? Like, why? What? Blade Runner? Like, that doesn't... That, they don't really that? explain it, do they? They really don't. Yeah. What true. is Blade Runner? What does that mean? I wish that his gun was like a blade, <laughs> like the model blade or something. Or like, I don't know. It's I'm, like somebody I'm, came up with a cool phrase. Well, yeah. it's, it's... My guess is like running a blade through someone like they're Ooh. just assassins. Yeah. Oh, that was kind of cool. Blade runner. Kind of what I like. this is going to sound really stupid, but I kind of thought this movie would be similar to that stupid scene in wild, wild west where they have like those blades coming after oh, them to God, chop off running. their heads. <laughs> 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 so, like this is a legitimate, Hey Twitter. Has anybody read the book? Let us know. Is that explained? Oh, this is a book? I thought I had that memory, but I couldn't remember. Oh, yeah. This is – and I was going to bring this up and I forgot in the beginning. This is a Philip K. Dick book. Okay. And we we saw Run – no, we saw Total Recall and we've been talking about seeing Running Man. Oh. Um, But yeah, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is the name of the book. If anybody's read it, 
please let us know if the phrase Blade Runner is explained. I wouldn't be surprised if the book does a better job, you know, like as far as like expanding upon those. You say that, but have you ever read a Philip K. Dick book? No. So maybe <laughs> yeah, not. Maybe not. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Total Recall. Total Recall. I was call. like one of my favorite jokes. Um, <laughs> I feel like these could easily be the same world. Yeah. And also Running Man. What? What did you say Running Man was like Philip K? Oh, wait. No, no. I'm way off. Running Man was Stephen King. Okay. I was going to say. Why did I think? Probably because Arnold. It's just books. But still, Running Man could exist in this universe. (laughs) Yeah. Man, Running Man really could exist in this universe. That kind of... From what I remember, it looks pretty similar. Yeah. Did you guys notice that they called them skin jobs? Only the captain. And, and that's a thing one. from Battlestar Galactica. They called oh, the Cylons it? skin jobs. Maybe almost was like, hey, guys, I was on the Yeah, other movie. I got this great phrase. I just came up with it. And I think that leads to a lot of the confusion, too, is because the captain, I'm assuming he's a captain, is like calling them skin jobs and not replicants. Replicants is already a weird name and skin jobs is a weird name and it just like makes it hard to follow. I I, I followed that part. I think what made it hard to follow was that instead of showing us the details that we needed, they said them Mm. and kind of nonchalantly. Yeah. Just really casually in conversation. I like stuff like that. I, I... I don't dislike it, but I also like because of the slow pace found myself like admiring the details of the scene and not necessarily paying attention to the dialogue. Like Mm. I apparently should have been. Mm -hmm. I found myself very lost. plenty of time to absorb everything. (laughs) That's true. It's, but it is one of those things where, you know, a, a point of potential improvement is that if the rest of the movie doesn't make sense because you missed a single important line of dialogue, then, then add a voiceover narration. <laughs> That's what the studio is saying. Like repetition can definitely be bad, but I think yeah. you know if if it, the whole thing hinges on missing even a, like a single word or something, like maybe maybe needed to work on the rest of the storytelling a little bit more. Because uh, a lot of the dialogue in this was like half sentences and like you know implied conversations, and that's it's cool, and I think it works better in books. Mm-hmm. I I would agree, but they did actually repeat information. I noticed this time around watching it. So the the text info that they gave you in the beginning, the captain tells us that info again when he sits down with Harrison Ford, and then the info we get from the scene with the replicant that shoots the the investigator mm-hmm. in the beginning, uh, it gets repeated over and over again. You know, so and it it looks like. I wouldn't be surprised if those scenes were just Harrison Ford driving in his car and they added in the dialogue again to make it seem like he was listening to it. But I think they did that so that you understood where Harrison was going, you know, next. But where it gets really confusing, in my opinion, is the snake scale and how that all came into play. That part was not easy to follow. And I'm not even really 100% sure... Like, did they kill? Is that lady dead in the picture? I 
don't I don't know I I don't even know who that lady is. Was that I mean, supposed to be the oh that was the snake lady and that was her tattoo? Yeah, Got so that's it. how we tracked that replicant. Mm-hmm. But then I thought like that kind of set up the story to be something where he was going to have to track down each replicant like that. And I feel like that would have been a little more interesting, very film noir, like follow the clues to find the people. But he just kind of found the one stumbled into the rest. Yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah, it was all atmosphere and no story. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong there. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, that's the style I think. So these robots are completely indistinguishable from people. You cannot tell the difference without except running their this eyes. Turing test. Except for the eyes. Yeah. I take a huge issue with that. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find something to communicate to the audience that they're weird and different. But don't expect me, the audience, to be able to see something so easily when the people in the movie can't recognize it that easily. Well, yeah, it's like... The question that comes to mind is if you can just see this weird reflection in their eyes, then why do you need this test in the first place? You guys, I really want to talk about something that really bothers me, not just in this movie, something I've been thinking about a lot. Okay, Nick, we know you don't think robots have feelings. (laughs) Uh, So I've got, in my mind, there is this movie trope that drives me crazy, and I call it sexy fighting. Sexy fighting. fighting. Imagine, if you will, (laughs) Captain America is fighting crossbones and Captain America jumps up in the air, drops down, wraps his legs around crossbones head (laughs) and twists his torso as a way of fighting crossbones. But but is Captain America wearing his pleasure suit? Because if he was, then that might be acceptable. And is Captain America a pleasure bot? Because... So the point is... It's pleasure fighting is what it is. Men don't do that. You see uh, Daryl Hannah in this movie. You see uh, characters like um, Black Widow do it. They jump up, Mm -hmm. wrap their legs around a male character as a way of fighting them. Mm. That is gross. Mm -hmm. I've only ever seen that done by a dude in pro wrestling. Really? <laughs> yeah, there's like a move where they jump and like grab the, the head, but the legs and do a backflip and throw someone. Oh, That's yeah. a thing. So but when you see it in movies, it's all like, well, oh, it's a female, so they're going to fight sexy, which doesn't make sense. It's degrading to that character. It's it, dumb. It's, it's just dumb. So, so on this subject, I'm going to change subjects slightly and say that th- this thing is why I cried in the beginning of Wonder Woman. I just saw Wonder Woman finally, and they do the sexy fighting. In that beginning? Yeah. They jump up, wrap their legs around people's heads as a way of fighting them. And that bugged me. I didn't. It didn't come across as sexy fighting to me. I mean, I don't mean to, like, burst anyone's bubble here, but just look at Wonder Woman's outfit. That it's also all about me a bit. sexy that was, fighting. That definitely. was upskirt the motion picture. Yeah. There's a lot to be liked about Wonder Woman. But it still kind of bummed me out that it was the upskirt movie. I don't the remember upskirt the upskirt. Movie. Sounds like a weird version. They of all it. wear uh, leather briefs with a flimsy skirt over it. So when they're fighting, you're constantly looking up their skirts. Sure. Can't she I wear pants? Can't she wear pants? It's like Jessica practical. Jones. You know, yeah. like... Jessica Jones doesn't sexy fight. Jessica Jones doesn't wear skimpy outfits. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because a movie that I just saw, and I don't know if anybody else saw it, but Atomic Blonde. 
Still haven't oh, seen it. I haven't it. seen it yet. Amazing choreography and absolutely no sexy fighting. In Good. fact, the opposite. Charlize Theron gets beat the fuck up and she still gets up and like continues fighting. And I never really quite, I think, thought about it before. But when you just said that, it like clicked in my mind. And she fights like a man in that movie for sure. Like she is just kicking ass and it has absolutely nothing to do with being sexy and and wouldn't it be nice if that's what movies were like where she's not fighting like a man she's fighting like somebody fighting fighting yeah exactly right like that's that's what i want to see yeah and that's i mean to be fair there is like a man fighting stereotype style too okay uh and it's standing as still as possible and just grappling (laughs) okay which also happened in this movie uh, the, Isn't that also wrestling? Like a lot of wrestling. <laughs> That's Brett's only frame of reference here. You know, like in in a time where you should be throwing punches or kicks or like trying to dodge, instead two dudes will just kind of like hold shoulders or like mm-hmm. grab each other's heads. But I think that's a real thing in real boxing because they're so exhausted. And then that's just kind of translated to movies. I mean, it definitely feels more real than grabbing your opponent by the head with your thighs. Right. Yeah. Which is not something a human could do, which is not an efficient way to fight, which would not be an effective way to subdue an opponent. No. It's just make them sexy on screen. Yeah. I mean, I will will give Blade Runner some credit in that it kind of gave it a weird feeling. Like, it very clearly set up that she was not human. And also, like, a super weird circus acrobat yeah. flips Nick, for fun. all she knows how to do is use her vagina. So she's fighting with her vagina. But I do think there is a method of replicant fighting set up in this movie, which is that weird, creepy, uncomfortable thing of they will stick their fingers in the holes of your face. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. that is that is very creepy and unsettling. Fingers in the nose, fingers in the eyes. Like replicant fighting, you got me. Like the, the three stages be, were replicants. Yeah, <laughs> it's, they're supposed to be very weird and uncomfortable, and that does work in this movie. Sexy fighting, sexy fighting. I I like it. I mean, I'm not, I don't like it. You know right. what I mean? The the idea of the trip. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I noticed, I've talked before, like a way of being a badass in a movie is to eat. You know, like in in the newer Star Trek movie when Chris Pine takes a bite out of an apple. During the Kobayashi Maru test, it's like, he doesn't give a fuck. He's a badass. Mm. Harrison Ford has a different move. Harrison Ford will fall asleep on you. And he's <laughs> a badass. I think in Raiders of the Lost Ark, he falls asleep in the middle of a kiss. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you mm. badass. You don't give a fuck. <laughs> Harrison Ford's so cool. That's his move. He'll just fall asleep on you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Harrison Ford don't give a fuck. Harrison Ford is sleepy. <laughs> Like a two-year-old nap time. (laughs) This is my vodka nap time. Just one shot. Oh, speaking of vodka, that is something I loved in this movie. When he did that shot of vodka, completely clear, transparent liquid, he does the shot and there's his blood floating Mm -hmm. in it. That was a good shot. That's a shot. See, it's just the small details that that are just so Ridley Scott that I think I love so much about this film. The the guy who we know is very careful about every single frame. Yeah, it's like that was no mistake, you know. But yeah, I think think that's kind of like having seen a few more of them, that's like the Ridley Scott 
thing is mm-hmm. extreme world building and like B plus storytelling. You know, I think, yeah, I think it's just, I like Ridley Scott's style and I will agree that the storytelling is not great because it's the same for me with like Wes Anderson. Like if you show me a Wes Anderson film, I'll, I love it. But like, in my opinion, fantastic Mr. Fox is like not that great of a story, but I love Wes Anderson's style. So I love that about it. But yeah. you know, yeah. Some movies are about story and some are about the, the, um, artifice and sometimes being about the artifice is good enough. So let's let's get some final thoughts, and I think our final thoughts are fairly transparent. But let's let's I think it'll be a little fun to mix in. Do you want to see a sequel with Ryan Gosling? Um, oh, and actually, before we do that, it is interesting to point out: is Deckard a replicant? Is kind of answered by the fact that old Harrison Ford is in the new movie. Unless here's Unless. what I was thinking. So. I'm glad you asked that question because I am – I'll just jump in and say I am interested in seeing the new movie because I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, what's the plot of the new movie? Is it that Ryan Gosling is going – like the new – I don't know. I don't know. So I'm not spoiling anything. I don't know the plot of the new because movie. Because the trailer is about just the atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. Like the trailer doesn't tell you anything. But I was like, okay, is is Ryan Gosling – like, is the new movie about Ryan Gosling hunting them down? And if so, the question is, well, then how could, you know, is he hunting Harrison Ford down? And then is the twist that she is still alive because they did find a way to keep her alive longer? Like, what if mm. what if they did find that technology and they were able to keep her alive? And then Harrison Ford could technically then still be a replicant because they found a way to keep him alive, too. But... That was the interesting like plot twist I was thinking is, you know, he he, Ryan Gosling could be searching for Harrison Ford. But then plot twist, she's still alive. Double plot twist. He's a robot, too. Double plot twist. What does it mean? (laughs) Or 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 it's the thing that I mentioned earlier, which maybe is uh, replicant is just code word for uh, a different enslaved population and they just convinced everyone they were robots and they kill them all yeah i mean that would be interesting because they did say something about it being a virus right that kills them he he was saying that if you tried to extend their life that they would the programming would cause a virus and they would just end up dying anyway one of the cures they tried mutated into a virus yeah gotcha i really like that story idea brett I mean, this movie... They're not really robots. They're just told they're robots. Remove the sci-fi from this movie. This is a tale of a uh, Southern slave hunter. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. you know, there's. it's not that far of a stretch. Yeah. But anyway, I still enjoyed the film. I feel like after... I, I feel like this is my third or fourth watch, and I, I feel like I understand it a lot better now, you know, now that I've seen it so many times. Um, but yeah, I'm just a fan of the atmosphere. It's not my favorite movie ever, but there you go. So I, I agree with you where now that I've seen the movie multiple times, I understand it better. Mm. The more times you see it, the better you understand it. Um, I still don't really like it for reasons mm. I've said. Um, it's a great movie that I don't like. 
insanely, I kind of want to see the new movie. I'm curious. I am curious. I expect to be sleepy. Um, I love Ryan Gosling. I love uh, Denny Villeneuve. And I'm just kind of curious to see what happens, but I'm bracing myself for being. Should we get you like the clockwork orange things that like keep your eyes open? You know, (laughs) some caffeine maybe. I don't know, but I'm curious. I want to see the new movie because I enjoyed Westworld so much. And we went back and watched the original Westworld Mm -hmm. and didn't like it. Interesting. The concept was told for a, like a dated audience. Yeah. Yeah. But the concept still holds up. So I think the concept holds up. It's just, it was told to an audience where it doesn't hold up. If this movie does not take an hour to explain the mind blowing concept of a conscious robot. Yeah. And get straight to a story. Yeah. We're in good shape. Yeah, I agree. I think it would, which they they have to, right? I mean, they have to. I'm also kind of excited about the possibility of the, this movie having a modern, but still synthesized score. Mm -hmm. uh, And like a synth wave. I think, I think Georgia is still working. Who? Giorgio Morador. Is he, that well, he working? did that track with uh, Daft, Daft Punk. Punk. Yeah. Well, I guess he didn't really do it. He just talked over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's given the mood of this film and the whole, you know, post Nolan, uh, all the music must be ominous. Uh, this th- This movie might be a place where that works really well. Uh, so yeah, I'll probably check out the new one. Brent and Sam, I'm not sure you gave your thoughts on this movie. If there's anything else you, I didn't care for it. I'm <laughs> sorry. I really, really wanted to like it, and I didn't. I didn't even like sorry, it a little Ridley. bit. I'm sorry. Uh, I actually kind of like this. Yay! Uh, <laughs> right down the middle. Fifty-fifty, baby. Yeah, um, and I think uh, reaching back to the the it commentary, uh, it's gonna have the the Stephen King effect for me, which is that it's gonna be way more fun to remember and think about than it was to watch mm-hmm. because the concepts and the story were actually really cool, mm-hmm. and just the the amount of time it took to get through it wasn't. Th- wasn't the best. Uh, <laughs> what if you could watch but, this movie at 1.5 speed and get a great movie? Yeah, well, like that's that's kind of what it is. Like in my head now, there's no there's no time affixed to the yeah. the cool elements of this story, and it's I mean it's already more fun to think and talk about than it was to watch. But it is a cool story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 on po- the positive side of this one. Uh, I don't think I'll watch it again, but I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. All right. So that is Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah. Walk um, with that knife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you like this show, it's uh, part of the Last Dash TV network of content. Uh, it's this podcast and a YouTube channel uh, where we've got a drinking show, a cooking show, and video game parodies and other stuff. Other stuff. And hopefully by the time you're hearing this, if all things have gone correctly hopefully we will have um four very special let's drinks out that um unfortunately brett isn't in sorry 
Sorry, Brett fans. What? But um, we did Stranger Things cocktails where we actually make the cocktails. And I did it with um, my friends, Tara and Natalie, who are from the YouTube channel Tara and Natalie Try Stuff. But stay tuned for that because we make some really fun drinks with all sorts of weird things like activated charcoal and dry ice and Mm. gummy worms. I think you would be glad that you weren't there, Brett. <laughs> yeah, that all sounds off. Maybe gummy worms, but... Actually, the gummy worms, surprisingly, were awful. Oh. But anyway, um, so make sure you follow us on YouTube, like Brett said, or you can follow us on Twitter. We're at TV on Twitter, or you can follow this podcast at Let's Rewatch on Twitter, where... We do fun things like sometimes we do movie polls where you guys get to choose the movie we're going to watch or sometimes I'll post pictures of the movie uh, and you guys that we are watching and you guys in real time can guess what movie we're watching. And um, uh, one person, Brian R. Snape, said Good Burger. <laughs> I posted yes. this one. And then another person said Weekend, Theodore said Weekend at Bernie's. Which was hilarious. But Griff Thompson got the correct answer, Blade Runner. And Mobius Strip also uh, responded to my still with, is this part of the test? Which I responded to him with, uh, please answer the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent answer. So if you enjoyed our podcast, please give us a review on iTunes or Google Play Music. And please encourage your friends to also listen and subscribe. Thank you. That's (laughs) right. so polite. (laughs) So make sure your podcast feeds are up to date and let your friends know we'll be doing this every two weeks. Join us again next time for another episode of Let's Rewatch. Man, I'm running out of movies, guys. (laughs) Start making them up. Well, next time we're going to (laughs) watch. Wait, is that the real name of the movie? It's P-H-F-F-F-T. Are you sure it's not pronounced? (laughs) 